The following message is from King's Church 1066, based in Hastings, Bexhill and the surrounding area. For more information, head to our website, kings1066.org. I put in a shift when there's photos of me asleep at New Day. Uh, yes. Isn't that lovely to see? Like, you're watching it, you're like, oh, I'm asleep. Oh, I'm asleep. Oh, I'm still asleep. Um, I was awake during that new day. It was, it was good fun. Um, well, anyway, welcome. Hope you've enjoyed uh, gathering so far. I've just remembered I need to put my timer on so I don't overrun. Where is it? Here it is. If it's your first time, if you're a visitor, if you're new, hey, we're, we're really glad that you're here. Um, it helps most to press start. Um, if it's your first time, like life is busy, I get that. So thank you for taking some time out to join, to celebrate baptisms with us. Like, genuinely, thank you so much. Um, it's it's going to be great. Um, this, this morning, we're finishing up our Psalm series. Um, it's been a great summer of the, of the Psalms. And, and this morning, I'm going to be looking at Psalm 145. So if you've got your Bible, why don't you turn to Psalm 145. It's the psalm that's in between Psalm 144 and 146, if you didn't know. So why don't you turn to that? If you've got your notebook, um, I quite like taking notes. And so I, I usually like notes. So I, I have titled this kind of talk called Passing the Praise. Passing the Praise. We're going to be looking at this idea of generation to generation. How from older folks, we need you in the church. Younger folks, we need you in the church. Anywhere in between, we need you in the church. So hopefully you've found Psalm 154. If you don't know, um, if you don't, haven't found it, it will be on the screens. Um, so cool, let's read it together. It says this. A psalm of praise of David. I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you, extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty. And I will meditate on your wonderful works. So that's what we're going to read this morning. Just verses 1 to 5. And I would encourage you... Read the rest of one um, of Psalm 145. In fact, as you came in, you would have been given a Reading God's Word booklet if you haven't got one already. And actually, we're going to be reading this psalm on the 15th of September. So there'll be a chance to kind of go back through this, to kind of look at what the rest of the, um, this psalm says as well. So that's on the on 15th of September. So it'll be good. Now, this psalm, this psalm is titled as Psalm of Praise of David. Now, Psalm 17 and Psalm 86, they're called a prayer of David. However, this is the only psalm that's titled a praise of David. And this is a high point of praise. And actually, many people believe that this was the last psalm that David wrote. And actually, he ended it on high praise. You see, Psalm 145 is monumental praise. And uh, I love it. I'll be honest, a, a few months ago, I kind of was praying and I felt this idea of, of this idea of intergenerational church, this idea of having kind of young people and old people and middle people mixing, having just a, a, a church that's just going around. It's just like, there's an old person, there's a baby, there's a young person, there's a 90-year-old. A, a got to be very careful with how you word a 90-year-old. could offend many people. But John, you know I mean, we get lots of people together. And I, I didn't really know what to do with it. So I said to Andrew Bunt, and I said, Andrew, I've got this on my heart. What do I do with it? And he said, 
email it to Paul and just see what happens. So I emailed it over to Paul and I, I, we spoke about it and I didn't really know what was going to happen. I left it there. And then there was this opportunity this Sunday to speak about it. And so I've been like really passionate about generation and generation, especially for the last couple of months, because nowhere else but the local church are you going to find an eight-year-old and an 80-year-old with the same passion. Nowhere in, other than church are they going to have the same heart, that being Jesus. Nowhere else but the local church. Yeah, you might support the same football team, I guess. But it's about getting passionate about Jesus. Not just like, we football. It's about getting passionate about Jesus. And that is where the local church, I think, is incredible. But church, we've got to be very, very careful. You might have heard of someone in the Bible called Moses. Um, he was a fantastic leader. And if you don't know about Moses, let me quickly tell you about him in around two minutes. Moses is probably one of the most important um, Jewish prophets. He led the Israelites out of Egypt and across the Red Sea. You might have heard that story. Now, let's go back to when he was born in the book of Exodus. Actually, around that time, the Pharaoh of Egypt had ordered every male Hebrew uh, to be drowned. He didn't want them. So he wanted to get rid of them. Now, Moses' mum sends him, obviously she didn't want that to happen, so sends him down the Nile in a basket. That's where we get the phrase of Moses' basket from. And I think it's slightly kind of ironic that he's noticed by Pharaoh's daughter. You know, Pharaoh, the one who said, I want all these people dead, actually, it's Pharaoh's daughter that says, no, 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 I, I, I want to look after this one. So Moses is being raised up in Pharaoh's court. He is being looked after. And Moses is essentially set free. He's all right. He's good because of who he's now in family with. But actually, Moses has compassion for the slaves. And he sees one of the overseers kind of uh, beating one of the slaves. And so, um, uh, so Moses killed him. So that's, uh, if you see someone in a, you know, in a bit of danger, don't kill them. Um, just uh, call the police. But Moses decided, I'm going to kill him. As you can imagine, that did not go well for Moses. That was not the best idea in one essence. And um, so he had to flee. He had to run away. And that's where we get the particle of the Red Sea. So Moses took... Um, Egypt through the Red Sea and he was a great leader he was fantastic he had faith to go through it I don't really like the sea especially with all the sewage stuff that's going on and so he is braver than I am to go in the sea I I get a bit scared of that but he leads them out of slavery it is incredible it was going so well for him and um you might think well that sounds all good that sounds all dandy well Moses was in the middle of raising up someone called Joshua. And you might know that story a bit, but in Judges 2.10, the message translation, I think I love it because it's so simple. It says this, eventually that entire generation died and was buried. Then another generation grew up that didn't know anything of God or the work he had done for Israel. Isn't it amazing just how quickly things can change? Moses was saying, hey, like God is good. He's going to get us through the Red Sea. He's going to protect us. The next generation knew nothing. And like I said, I've titled this talk, Passing the Praise. But before we know how to pass the praise, we need to learn the praise. So I want you to turn to your person to your left or your right. And I want you to say to them, learn to pass the praise. Go. <laughs> okay, now I want you to, to turn to your person that is your second choice and say, learn to pass the praise. Amazing.
It's always interesting knowing who people's first choice options are. So, it says this. When we learn to pass the praise, it says this. Oh, it's very funny. Uh, right, it says this. Uh, uh, verses 1 to 3 says this. I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. We'll stop there. This is how we're going to learn to praise. It says, I will exalt you, my God, the King. Uh, you might be thinking, what does the word exalt mean? I've never heard that word. I don't use it in everyday life. It simply means to praise, to lift high, to put him above. And what I love, have you noticed at the beginning, David doesn't go, oh, I, I might exalt. If I have time, I will exalt. No, no, no. David says, I will. I will exalt you. I mean, I don't know about you, how many times have you said, you know, to your husband or wife, or maybe, you know, Maddie, my wife has said to me, Dan, can you do something? And I say, yes, yes, I will. And then I don't. I'm sure I've done that many, many times. And I'm sure we've all need to uh, forgive and repent of one another in that case. But actually, human beings, sometimes we have a lot of empty I wills. But actually, David's saying, no, no, I will exalt you. I will praise you. And he says again, I will praise you. And so he's got some I wills. But he doesn't just leave it there. David makes it personal. I will praise your name. I will praise you. I will praise my God. I will praise the King. David knows who he's talking about. So before we pass the praise, we need to have I wills and it needs to be personal. The next bit, he surrendered. It says the King. Um, I'm not that clued up on royalty stuff. I'm, I know we've got a queen. Um, apart from that, I don't really know too much. But the queen is quite important. She's quite, you know, I don't think there's anyone above her that I'm aware of. And, and so when we're talking about the king, we're not saying, I don't know who the next king is. Who's, who's going to be the next king? Charles, that's it. Um, it's not like him. We're not saying my king, King Charles. It's not that. We're saying King Jesus. There is no other name higher than God. And that's what David is saying there. The last bit, he is never going to stop praising. I will extol your name forever and ever. I, I have an attention span of about five minutes. But actually it says in this psalm, I will praise your name forever and ever and ever and ever. That is a lot of praising. And David piled praise upon praise because David had to. He knew he had to give his all, and I believe that David couldn't just give half-hearted praise. He had to be all in. He couldn't withhold his praise. He's almost thought that as like dishonourable. He had to be all in with praise. So if we're going to learn to praise, we need to simply say, I will. We need to say it's personal. We need to surrender. We need to never stop. And finally, be kind of all in. Don't do half-hearted praise. So we've learned to praise. Maybe you knew that, but I thought it's just helpful in terms of what we can pass praise. So... We're going to talk about passing the praise. So turn to the person behind you. This is exciting. The person behind you and say, pass the praise. Pass the praise. Cool. Well done. You, you can all say passing the praise very well. Very good. So we're going to now, we've, we've done Psalm 1 to... Uh, uh, we've done verses 1 to 3. We're now going to look at 4 to 7. It simply says this. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your... Sorry, the kids just doing the hokey-cokey as they walk past. It was really distracting. 
It's not something you think you'll see at church, is it? Um, anyway, one generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty. And I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. I am convinced it is the biblical duty of us as the local church to make sure we tell the next generation about the works of God. I'm convinced of that. And when I talk about the next generation, I'm not talking about, you know, 80, 90-year-olds tell the next generation, like teenagers in the room. The next generation that are four, five, six, seven years old. That's the, you know, the next generation. I am convinced we need to do that. It's not like God just delivers a new Bible. It's not like we get an updated 6.3 version of the Bible and we, we can buy it from Amazon or whatever. And we, this is the latest bit. This is the latest trends and we've changed a bit of it. And No, 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 no. He wants to teach the next generation and we need to do that together. And so, like I say, if you're 90, teach the next generation. If you're 50, teach the next generation. If you're 30, teach the next generation. If you're 10, teach the next generation. And, and often we, we see the Bible full of a lot of adults. There's lots of grown-ups in the Bible, lots of uh, superheroes of the faith, you could say. But actually, one thing I was observing when I was looking at this is actually sometimes we can see if we look again at the Word of God, actually there's kids in there as well. There's youth, there's teenagers, there's... Um, all different ages together, from planned worship celebrations um, like Ezra and Nehemiah, and they completed the wall in Jerusalem. And in that word of God, it actually says about all the generations coming together right in the middle of it. Crisis prayer meetings, where King um, one of the kings is under attack by three armies, and, and there's armies as oh, big, big, strong people. Um, that's my impression of a strong person. I just raise my shoulders a bit. But actually, if we look at the scripture, what does it say? It simply says this, all the men of Judah, and then this is a bit, with their wives and children and little ones stood there before the Lord. There's something about the Bible which says we've got to do it together. We've got to do it 80 to eight-year-olds, two-year-olds, anything below that is welcome to, uh, like we take, uh, side note, we take Dougie to early morning prayer meeting. I've got a son, Dougie, he's eight months old. Um, I'll be honest, he dribbles a lot during the prayer meetings. But I am convinced that God is just doing something in him. I'm convinced that even though he can't talk, like he's playing with a plastic bottle right now. Like, but I'm convinced that God is doing something in him just by being there, doing life together. And so we want to make sure we personally help every generation come together. We want to make sure every generation believers know the word of God, love Jesus, you could say that it's almost like the spirit comes down vertically, but we need to help each other horizontally. A big part of that, um, when I moved to Hastings, I moved in before I was married. I, moved, I lived with Brian. Shout out, Brian. And, um, and I tell you what, the amount of wisdom that guy gave me, you know, I'd been a Christian about a year and he would just like, we'd sit down and he would explain things and chat things through. And if I had a question, I could go and ask him. It's generation to generation. I could just ask a question. And he never thought, oh, that's a stupid question. That's silly. Oh, how do you not know that? He helped me guide. He would kind of go, right, what does the Bible say about that? And so we want to make sure we're doing that. And I'm very grateful for the time I had at Brian's house. He just he helped me a lot. So when I was looking into this, 
Older, older generation. I don't know what you class as old. I'll let you be the judge on that. But older generation. When I was looking to this preach, I came across this little village. And uh, where the older generation would write down life lessons, like little kind of tips and advice on bits of paper. And they would then go and put it in a hut in the middle of this village. Uh, and what they would do, every now and then, they would read out these bits of paper. And they would kind of get the newer generation to learn so the advice would carry on. And it was really important for these older people to pass on their wisdom and their stories so it wouldn't just fizzle out, so it wouldn't just go away. But with church, we need to do more than just stories on a bit of paper. Each generation has a role to play. Our role may change. We might have to adapt over time, but we all have our part to play. When you're older, your body might get a little bit more um, uh, broken. Um, <laughs> it's the only way I can put it nicely. Your body might be struggling. But I tell you what, the gifts that God has given you are still alive. I'm convinced that God still wants to use you, even though you might be on oh, my hip or my back or my knees or I'm tired or I'm struggling. God still wants to use you. God still wants you to be part of what we're doing. And I, I, I believe that old, older folk, you've got a bit of a choice to make. Well, and younger folk, but kind of more for the older folk, just what I felt for this bit. In 2 Kings 20, Isaiah prophesied about the future of the nation of Israel. He basically said, Israel, you've got no chance. It's not looking good for you. But don't worry, Hezekiah, you'll be fine. Basically, this will happen once, you're, once you die. So Hezekiah, you're fine. And Hezekiah had an option. He had a choice. Does he either kind of be like, that's fine, I'm comfortable with that. That's, that's someone else's issue. Or does, he or does he say, no, 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 I need to deal with this. If, if the kind of church is going to be struggling even once I'm not here, I don't want to see that. Amen. He simply says, Hezekiah goes like this. He says, that's someone else's issue. I I'm not bothered about that anymore. But church, let's make sure that's not us. Let's make sure that we worry about the next generation. If you're 90 years old, you're like, well, it's someone else's issue. Like church, let's get hold of that. It's not about just our security for now. It's about seeing the next generation and making sure they're guarded, make sure they get it. It's not just about right now. It's about what's to come. So older generation, how do you play your part? I'm convinced you need to help teach the word of God. Like we said with Brian, it was just in his kitchen, in his living room, just going through it. It's about telling stories. I tell you what, you, like the younger people, go, to, go in coffee box, grab a tea and coffee and speak to some older people. They've got some amazing stories of what God has done. And it might be a couple of weeks ago, I was chatting to someone, they were just telling me about their day. But the, wow, the story you could get from just hearing about their day. Older people, set the example. Set the example. When you come to church, be all in. I'm, I can't tell you how to praise. You know, for some of you, you'll put your hands here. Some of you put your hands there. Some of you might be your hands there. However it is, set the example. Show how to worship Jesus and whatever that might look like. Pray out. Come to prayer meetings and pray out. Ask God before you come, God, give me a prophetic word, a picture, and I want to share it because I want to go and bless the church. I want to be a witness to that. So I'll do that. The last thing, please don't keep it just for yourself or your age group. 
don't just like keep it with your, you know, your older folks' chats. Tell me, tell younger people. Like the best way I think you can do that is to serve. Part of, of you know, you, like I say, you might be struggling a bit, but there is a place for you to serve. And so many of you serve so amazingly. But you know, for some of you, you might be thinking, oh, I could join kids work. I could join kids work and I could just be and love these little kids as best as I can. Some of you maybe were thinking about joining the youth team. Then you saw the game we did and you thought, not for me. <laughs> but generally, we have different zones you know, on youth, so it's not just silly, messy stuff. You can come and hang out. Some of you might be doing welcome and just chatting to some people. Whatever kind of you feel like you can do and give. We want to hear your stories. We want to see what you do. Younger people, whatever that might be. You might be slightly older thinking you're young. One, younger people, when you hear the story, don't just accept the story and go, ah, oh, that was for back then. Guess what? God can do it now. God doesn't stop in the 80s or 90s. God can keep moving. And so younger people, let's make sure we grab hold of that and say, we are going to take that experience with us. Let's not look back at the past as the golden days. I believe that the best is yet to come. I believe, I don't know when, but I believe revival is going to break out. I believe, quick side, quick side story. I emailed Bexhill College saying, can we run a Christian union in your college? They emailed back saying, yes, please. We couldn't get in a couple of years ago, but God is opening doors. So the best is yet to come. We don't know what it's going to look like. We're hoping to run Alpha in the college because they've given us an opportunity. Young people, let's make sure we don't just have head knowledge. Let's, let's make sure we don't just have it kind of like, uh, the Bible says this and call it like a study book sort of thing. Let's make sure we have a heart that burns for Jesus. Let's make sure we have a desire to see our, our friends, our parents, if they're not Christians, come to know Jesus. And so if you would say you don't fit in the younger generation or the older generation, don't worry, I've got something called the everyone generation, so we can all do this. David looked for God's people to encourage each other. And so you can encourage one another. And I don't know what that might look like, but get alongside one another. An older generation might inspire a younger generation of what God has done, his mighty acts in the past. A younger generation might stir praise in the older generation by declaring what God is doing now in a very confused world. It might be saying, ah, oh, but God's doing this. God's doing this. And so I'd encourage us all, have a passion for the local church. If you love Jesus, get passionate about the local church. I'll be honest, I, I, when I was kind of thinking of this, I was like, wouldn't it be amazing if we were forced to put on another like, morning service? Sorry, Paul, that probably sounds like a lot more paperwork for you. But another morning service, because we had a ton of old people, a ton of young people, a ton of families coming. We were forced because there was no room left in here because people just wanted to know about Jesus because the church is passionate about Jesus. So get passionate. Invite people over. Have people round for dinner. Go for coffees with, another, with one another. In youth, we're starting this thing called multi-generational prayer partners. Nice ring to it. But the idea being, we want some older folks to get alongside some of our younger folks and pray for them and go through the Bible with them and just love them. We're still kind of figuring out how that might work, but we're excited about the idea of people doing life with one another. And so... If you're thinking, oh, I'm a visitor, you've talked a lot about 
Jesus and things like that, and, and maybe that's for Christians. Let me tell you, the gospel is not just for the older generation. It's not just for the younger generation. It is for the everyone generation. So whether you're young, old, nine years old, 99 years old, Jesus came to die for you. And I love, I love how kind of smart God is, and I've told the youth this a few times. In the middle of the word crucifixion is the word fix. You see Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, you, you might know the story, you know, they took the fruit. They said, don't eat from that tree, the one tree, just don't eat from that one. And they took the apple and then they had to leave the garden. They were kind of away from God. And, the, uh, and then Jesus came. He lived the perfect life, a humble life. He lived that life, a uh, sinless life, and he died in your place. That sin, though those kind of sins of your past, present and future, it's been nailed to the cross. It's finished. The word crucifixion, what's in the middle of it? Fix. Jesus came to fix that relationship between us and God with Jesus in the middle. And so Hudson, I think, will be sharing a little bit more about that a little bit later on. But I'd encourage you, whilst we're doing baptisms, whilst we're hearing stories, I'd encourage you, why not ask God, God, if you're there, why don't you reveal yourself to me? If you're real, reveal yourself to me. And then you know, Sam and Hudson, they can explain how, how we'll do that. If you're part of Kings and you're thinking, I want to get more involved in generation to generation, why don't you speak to Paul or, or Paul or Sam um, or, or Kate, if you want to join the kids team, for example, if you're older thinking, I want to do kids, speak to Kate and she'll, she'll get you on there till next week. Like, like, get involved. Church, let's do life with one another. Let's be multi-generational.